Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score, and today's episode is presented by Subway's $6 Barbecue Pulled Pork Mighty Melt Combo. Try it today. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the stars who are dealing with injuries, how you should be approaching them, heading into your drafts, and into this season, and we have a great guest to give us some insight on that today. I don't need to pretend to be a doctor. We have an actual doctor with us. But before we bring him on, a reminder, download the Score app. Check out all the latest updates in the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. It's your one-stop shop. It's got everything in there that you need to crush your drafts over the next couple weeks. All right, let's bring in our guest. It's Dr. Jesse Morse of the Fantasy Doctors. You can find him on Twitter, at Dr. Jesse Morse. He specializes in adult and pediatric sports medicine, and he's one of the rising stars in the fantasy community, if you ask me. Jesse, why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about the Fantasy Doctors and what you guys offer? Sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, The Fantasy Doctors is a group of orthopedic and sports medicine trained physicians. Everybody putting out content is an actual physician who takes care of these people uh, day to day. Uh, We realize that there is a ton of injuries in all sports and we cover all sports. Football is, is, is in America is crazy, and that's probably our busiest season. Uh, we try to provide real updates, uh, real time, give you accurate analysis, um, and, and basically, is this guy going to be 100%? When is he 100%? How significant is this injury? Uh, you can kind of predict certain things in the future based on their injury history in the past. And one of the things I really like, we talked a bit about this, but I really like those quick videos that you guys are putting out because when an injury happens everyone wants that information right away they want to know what does this mean for my fantasy team who should I go and pick up all that sort of stuff and it's great that you guys have been very quick on those getting those up right away getting those out and giving like a really good breakdown including sometimes using props to help people understand not just what it means for fantasy but what that injury is doing to that player and how maybe it could affect their play moving forward. Yeah, we try to, uh, with uh, our team, we really try to catch all injuries, especially with all pop-ups and all these uh, notifications and everything. We kind of get all of these uh, notifications and we can kind of try to analyze the video, which is for the most part pretty accurate, um, and then and try to post something relatively soon, ideally within you know, 15, 20 minutes if possible, which is pretty crazy compared to... 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't hear about the injury ever, or if you did, it wasn't for a couple of days to a week later. But yeah, we um, some injuries were, were really spot on. Other ones, you know, you anticipate it being one thing, and obviously we're not looking at the, the athlete. We're not evaluating them personally. We are not uh, looking at the imaging. So we, you know, we may be pretty good, but we may not get the whole picture. So, you know, like Lamar Miller the other day, I knew he had a significant MCL tear or sprain, which is the ligament that runs north to south on the inside of the knee. And, and, and by mechanism, the way he did it, it wasn't usually strong enough for an ACL tear, but obviously it was for him, and that's why he had it. Uh, I mean, you only saw a two-second clip, and that's all we really had to go off of. Um, unfortunately, um, his his was bigger uh, than than we had hoped, uh, but a lot of the times we're, we're pretty good. You know, basketball season, I talked about Kevin Durant's uh, calf injury potentially causing a an Achilles injury, and unfortunately that came to fruition. So I mean, sometimes we can't see the future, and sometimes we just give you the realistic, you know, possibilities of what's where. 
Well, I think you guys have been pretty good with your recovery timetables, and that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Before we get to that, though, we have to talk about the biggest news of the weekend. I mean, that Lamar Miller injury was pretty big for fantasy, but Andrew Luck goes out, shocks everybody by retiring on Saturday. And the crazy thing is Luck would have been the first player that we talked about today. And mm-hmm. truth be told, on Saturday night, I was at a wedding. It was the only night of the preseason that I wasn't able to cover the games live. And when the news broke, I started to get the alerts on my phone, and I thought for sure somebody had been duped by a fake Schefter account, right? It wouldn't be the first time. We've seen that happen before. But this was actually true, and a lot of people reacted poorly to the news. I mean, some of those Colts fans that were booing him as he left the field during that preseason game, that, that was awful to see, obviously. Oh, yeah. For fantasy, though, quarterback by far the deepest position, though. So I think as far as quarterback goes, fantasy owners are going to be fine. They're going to be able to find other options. But we have to start thinking about what this means for the Colts skill position players, right? And I did a a takeaways article on Sunday morning. I woke up after the wedding. I went back. I watched all the games. And the thing I led that article with was the luck news. So I went through it a bit there, but I want to talk about it today. Jesse, let's just start. I mean, you can give your general thoughts on the Luck situation, considering all the injuries that he dealt with and, you know, him walking away at 29 years old. And then we can get into what this means for, you know, the impact on the offense as a whole. I was definitely equally as astonished. I definitely thought Schefter had got hacked. Um, I definitely was waiting for more information. Um, I was actually watching uh, the game or one of the games live um, at home in Florida. And then I'm like, all right, is this real or is this, um, like a hack. And then we saw Andrew Luck walking and we saw that it was real. He tweeted out a couple minutes later that uh, Jacoby Brissett was the indeed quarterback uh, of the of the Colts at this point. So you, you kind of were like, oh my God, really? Uh, and, and then you kind of step back and you say, you know, we saw how many injuries this guy had. And, and, and you probably, I mean, I, I write about this for my passion. So I really know about the injuries, but most people don't even realize half the injuries that he had, and we probably don't even know half of the injuries he probably had. Um, I mean, he missed uh, a significant amount of time with that labrum tear in his shoulder. He had uh, a, a kidney laceration a couple of years ago that led him peeing blood uh, in the game. Um, that I mean, uh, now he's dealing with a calf injury, which is not overly concerning, uh, but that led to some further issues, and uh, and he ended up having something called posterior impingement, which is a, a pinching of the nerve in, in the lower extremity in, that, where you feel pain in the foot. Uh, and he just felt like it was just a constant cycle of pain. And, and, and I work in, in an orthopedic clinic, and this is what I see every day, for, unfortunately, with some patients. Some people are uh, happy they have one injury, and then they fix it, and they go back out into normal. Other people, you know, they have a knee, a knee issue, we fix that. Then they have a back issue, we fix that. Maybe they have a shoulder, they fix that. And then they have another knee. It's just like, it's not one thing, it's another. And when you're at 29, you've made more money than most people could ever fathom, about $100 million. Um, and your body is just constantly getting beat up. I, I don't blame them. It wasn't whim. You saw, you heard the speech, which was unbelievably impressive and very articulate. This was a very intelligent move. Unfortunately, it just wasn't best for fans, but that doesn't work that way. We, we were privileged to be able to see him the, the years that we did get to see him, in my opinion. And it's so unfortunate that now they have that great offensive line. But yep. for several years, and perhaps part of the reason that he had so many injuries Correct. was he was just playing behind that terrible offensive line. And whether you want to blame 
Ryan Grigson, who was the general manager at the time and really didn't invest in it or, or whatever you want to put the blame on there. It's just too bad because that, that team was really shaping up to be a Super Bowl contender this year. If you look at the odds and everything, it, it basically they plummeted. Uh, I think their projected total one total went from nine and a half to six and a half. The uh, their odds to win it uh, basically plummeted significantly. There was a ton of, of movement. It just shows you how important that a, a quarterback can be. I mean, if you did that to Zeke, I wonder how much the odds would change uh, for the the Cowboys if Zeke doesn't play. Or, or Melvin Gordon to give you an idea. Like, I don't think they'll be that significant. So that kind of gives you an idea of how significant um, of a role a quarterback does, especially a top five quarterback. Now, going into this season, before we heard about the calf, he was my number one quarterback. Then we find out now he's got this calf, and then it ends up being a lot more than a calf. Um, and now he's out of the league. I mean, that's a crazy eight weeks. It's just so unfortunate, right? And and I know a lot of fantasy owners even were very mad because I was in a, a slow draft where I think we were in maybe the eighth round on Saturday and someone took Andrew Luck and a few hours later he retired. There was a lot of stories like that. I think there was even some I saw on Twitter, people moments before the news broke had taken him in drafts and there's just not much you can do, right? That when you're drafting this time of year and you're doing slow drafts and stuff like that, that's why normally I like to wait until that, you yep. know, the preseason is completely over. And then these injuries, normally you can avoid all of them. You're not getting those, you know, things pop up during the draft that can affect things like a Lamar Miller injury or a Luck situation. I mentioned before, quarterback, I think, is deep enough that I don't know that anyone's really going to go after Jacoby Brissett, maybe in two quarterback leagues. But yeah. I don't think he's really going to be an option. The odd time in a good matchup, maybe people use him in DFS. I moved him up into the range of uh, like quarterback 25, 26-ish, right around Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, that range. The bigger impact is going to be felt in the receiving core and for the running backs. At receiver, I moved T.Y. Hilton way down. Uh, he's at wide receiver 19 for me now, wide receiver 20. It's awful to see because Hilton was a borderline wide receiver one, by all accounts was having a, a great camp here. Even though they brought in guys like Devin Funchess and, and Paris Campbell, and they were really filling out that receiving core finally, Hilton was still on pace to have a great season. Now, I would rather have guys like DJ Moore, who's someone I'm very high on particularly, uh, Chris Godwin, definitely Tyler Lockett. I'm going to take those guys over T.Y. Hilton, who I think is still going to have some good games, but is going to be way more volatile for fantasy. Uh, Eric Ebron, we already knew was going to have a ton of regression this season. The touchdowns were going to go way down. Now, you know, with, with Jack Doyle back, now we can't even look at Ebron as a low-end tight end one. I have him outside of my tight end one ranks now, tight end 13, just right on the fringe there. And somebody I'm not that excited to end up with on any teams this season. And then Marlon Mack, who was the player on the Colts that I probably owned the most of, somebody I was very, very high on this season. He's going to be negatively impacted. A lot of people are acting like, well, this means they're going to run the ball more and they have that great offensive line. Absolutely. And that's definitely true. And Mac is going to have a chance, but they're not going to be winning as many games. I mean, you talked about it. The Super Bowl odds go way down for them. There's a reason for that. They are not going to win as many games with Jacoby Brissett under center. And that means less positive game scripts. So, you know, less second half carries where they're trying to, you know, ice a game away. And then also just less touchdown opportunities. So in an offense behind a great offensive line, I've talked about how I feel like that Colts offensive line is really like the new Cowboys offensive line where everyone was all excited about that Cowboys offensive line for so many years. 
Mac now falls to that low end RB2 range, sort of around Leonard Fournette and Josh Jacobs, who in most cases, I'm probably going to take those guys over him. But the luck situation is a pretty good transition into the injury analysis here. Not that we expect any other players to retire due to their injuries before the season, but at this point, I guess you never really know. So uh, let's start with the quarterbacks, though. There's really only one big injury, I feel, at the moment at quarterback, and that's Cam Newton. He suffered that midfoot sprain in the preseason. Seemed like it might be a really big injury, really could cost him some time. And then it turned out to maybe not be as severe as initially thought, or at least that's what we're hoping at the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you expect him to be available week one? Yeah, uh, I do. He got really lucky. Um, if he put any more force on the way he, he kind of tweaked that foot, he probably would have had a, had a, a much more severe midfoot sprain um, or even what we call a Liz Franck sprain, which is basically the same area, just a different part of the foot. Um, and either of those is a very big deal. It, it, the fact that um, they said he was basically got lucky and that he may be eligible for week one means that it is the mildest of, 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 of sprains. But the problem with it is that these will re-injure if he does not allow it to heal. Um, he was in a boot, but that's more precautionary than anything for swelling, and they were flying from New England to, uh, to Carolina. The other part, and I'm worried about, is if you look at their schedule for week one, the league's most dominating rusher is ready for him in Aaron Donalds. <laughs> so uh, that's not exactly the best matchup I had in mind when I think of Cam Newton with a bum foot. Uh, so uh, hypothetically, if he does play and he gets you know beat around pretty good, does this make the foot injury worse? Does he leave you know midway through the game? How much does it uh, affect McCaffrey? How much does it affect you know Samuel and Moore and the rest of the the squad? So uh, I'm cautiously uh, optimistic for for Newton. Uh, as you said earlier, the quarterbacks are so deep this year that I don't feel like I need to uh, kind of roll the dice with the risk um, where I have someone like a Lamar Jackson who is kind of similar to, to Cam Newton at a much cheaper price with maybe similar upside, even better upside with rushing, if, if depending on how your league does the scoring. So with that being said, uh, unfortunately, Cam Newton is falling um, because, of, because of said injury. And age, you know, starting to break down. He's taken a lot of hits over the years here with the, the style that he plays. Another injury that doesn't seem as severe for another, you know, quarterback who's who's even more up there than, than Newton is, is Aaron Rodgers, who's dealing with this back issue. Is this just a case, I know they've been sitting him out a little bit here. Do you think this is just a case of the team playing it safe with that star quarterback? Or do you think that this back issue, which... Back issues can can pop up. We've seen a lot of players deal with it. Do you think this could be a problem for Rodgers during the season? I'm hoping not. Um, the problem is they really haven't said anything. It sounds like it was pretty mild. I did. I expected him to play a little bit in week three, but he didn't. Uh, so whether that's the back or whether it's just them being smart with him. Could also uh, have been the field issue, right? That was the game in, in Winnipeg where oh, that's they right, played yeah. in the 80-yard field and they took a bunch of their starters out. So there's a oh, chance he yeah. might have played, right? Yeah, so I mean, we saw him with the, the, the crazy outfit with the mustache, <laughs> uh, or maybe you didn't, but you should Google it. I did, I did, yeah. Uh, the, um, so we knew he was there. Um, here, there's a couple things that I want to talk about Rodgers. You assume he's elite, right? Everybody just assumes he's elite. Uh, well, if you look, there's a couple things that shed light on this for me. One, 
he, he suffered that freak kind of broken clavicle, which was actually his second broken clavicle a couple of years ago that put him out for most of the season. Um, then last year he took that pretty big hit, uh, suffered that knee injury, which ended up being a lot more, we found out in the offseason, a lot more than it initially thought was. The, the initially said was, oh, it's just an MCL sprain, which is that ligament on the inside of the knee that's very common to sprain when someone hits you from the outside of your knee, which happens all the time, unfortunately. Well, the problem is, they had when he when he got that hit, they took a little bit of a piece of bone off of uh, that. Uh, the, the, it was either the distal femur or the proximal tibia, one of the two uh, knee bones, and he just played with it throughout the whole year. So he did, you know, decent, respectable, but he wasn't. It wasn't, you know, Aaron Rodgers, so to speak. He finished ninth uh, with six point scoring, touchdown scoring. But he has a better arsenal this year. Back injuries scare me to an extent. Uh, but if it's just something mild, I'm not overly worried. He's a trooper. He's going to play. But I'm not reaching for him this year. He's my quarterback five in the same range as Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, um, and just before Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. So, like, obviously these guys, there's there's a ton of, of talent in, in the quarterback position. You can get Jimmy Garoppolo in, like, the late rounds, and he may be very serviceable this year, you know. Um, Carson Wentz, who I'm really low on, it, it, you you have to kind of reach for. But uh, and then I mean, Big Ben is even through for the most yards last year, and he's going pretty late. So there's like you know there's a lot of a lot of depth this year. Well, you mentioned Carson Wentz just there. That's the only other quarterback I want to ask about. And don't worry, folks, he's not injured at the moment. He's healthy right now, but. He had that the shredded knee two years ago that, that ended his season, could have been an MVP candidate that year. And then last season, it was back issues that sidelined him late in the year. Once again, back issues, wide wide range of things that could happen there. Any reason to be concerned about Wentz other than the fact you have him low? Is that injury related or is that just outlook related for him? Indirectly, that's injury. He did not suffer any new injuries, but i just concerned about this knee injury that he had a couple years ago. We thought it was just a regular ACL, but it ended up being much more significant than that. He has an L- he had an LCL, which is basically the outside back part of the knee. Uh, these, if, if not allowed to properly heal uh, and given appropriate time, then they they just they never get back to 100% strength. Um, there's a lot of r- r- rotational movement that's responsible for this part. If if someone has an LCL uh, an ACL injury and they, and they have reconstruction, a, r- a rule of thumb is about nine to 12 months if you're, you know, if everything goes according to plan. Well, when you start adding in additional ligaments, that indirectly raises the timeline because there's a lot more stuff you have to work on with rehab. The stability is not there because you, everything, you know, there's other injuries. Well, if you're talking about an LCL or what we call a posterolateral corner, which is this complex in the back outside part of the knee, that can take anywhere from 12 to up to 18 months. Um, he came back at like, between nine and 10 months. Uh, and then, you know, he wasn't the same quarterback. If you look at his running, uh, you know, elusiveness or however you want to describe it, he just wasn't the same. His, his yards for carry, which isn't really a carry, but uh, plummeted halfway. He um, ended up suffering a new injury, maybe because he couldn't get out of the way of a would-be sacker and fractured his back, which kind of most people forget about, um, which is probably similar to the injury that Derek Carr had a couple of years ago. Um, a, a transverse process fracture. They haven't confirmed it, but that's my suspicion is they allowed him to continue playing. 
um, these can take a while, a good year to fully actually feel normal again. So there's just too many red flags uh, for me. Uh, they have a ton of uh, of, of depth uh, on the offensive uh, weapons. If, if if Wentz goes down, their their backfield. I mean, all of their backup quarterbacks are injured. Foles is now in Jacksonville, so uh, I'm just I'm worried. I'm kind of avoiding most of the Eagles, except for maybe Miles Sanders. That's interesting because I feel like most in the fantasy community have been going the other way. I know even myself, I've been higher on Wentz, assuming that two years removed from the the knee injury, he'll be running a little bit more this season. So that's something I'm going to have to take a a closer look at there when I look at his value because I have him very high this year. Uh, Let's shift over to running backs. And it's a position that gets hurt more than any other in, in fantasy, obviously. And we have to start with Todd Gurley. Everyone spent the entire offseason speculating about his knee, about his health. We're not getting to see him in the preseason. So mm-hmm. although he's apparently healthy, we don't really know if that athleticism is diminished at all from all these injuries or where he stands. So so can you help us find some clarity with Gurley's health and ultimately with his fantasy outlook? Definitely. So back in March, April, we heard... That was the initial time we heard about Gurley having arthritis. And, and you think, well, isn't arthritis an older person's disease, so to speak? And I can tell you that, unfortunately, it is not. I deal with this every day. And, and while most people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s will have it, um, you can get it when you're younger, whether it's genetics, whether it's an injury, whatever the reason. Unfortunately, when Gurley suffered his ACL tear a couple of years ago in college, um, this usually also happens to correlate with a meniscal tear, which is kind of that, that, that cushion in between the upper and lower leg bone, kind of like the shocks for your knee. The problem is if you remove uh, that meniscus or at least a piece of it, which usually happens or they, they, they try to repair it, but sometimes it's, it's pretty torn and it's just not ideal, then you, uh, you happen to develop arthritis much faster than if you didn't tear your ACL, if you didn't have a meniscal tear. There's very significant studies to demonstrate this. But here's the issue. I, I happen to be from Massachusetts, so I'm a Patriots fan. Um, don't hold that against me. But I watched the, the Super Bowl, obviously, like most people did. Todd Gurley was not the same player that he was in week five or whatever. He tailored down at the end of the season, and he just was not the same. So that is concerning to me because arthritis is unpredictable. We don't know when or if this, when it's going to come up, when it pops up or what like that. So the problem is he may go four games without any issues. He may go 10 games without any issues, or he may go five games and have a knee flare up. They can't calm it down for a couple of weeks. And then he finally comes back three or four weeks later. If someone is, if I'm drafting someone at the 16th position, which is currently where he's going uh, in, in 12 TPPR leagues, I want someone who I don't have to worry about like that. He's still a top five talent in the league. The problem is I need both of his knees to be healthy, and he only has one healthy knee. With that being said, they really spent the high draft capital on Henderson. Uh, I think Brown is his true rushing backup. So there's just a lot of moving parts in this backfield. I think all of them will get looks. I think they're going to remove some of the touches from Todd Gurley, which indirectly is going to diminish his value. If he gets over 250 touches this year, I would be really surprised. So with that being said, I, I do not own any Todd Gurley this season. And I would say the same. I, For me, 
I still think that he's going to be able to put up potentially low-end RB1 numbers, but I think that's his ceiling now. I think when you look at the, the amount of production he's had over the last two years, even if you break that down and you give him 60-70% of that, it still puts him in that range uh, around you know RB10, RB12, but he doesn't have that RB5 upside anymore. It's just not going to happen, and everything they've done this offseason, like you mentioned— has shown us that. And and sometimes, you know, we have to deal with coach speak throughout the off season. You got to weed through all that stuff. But when you see a team do these things, match, you know, and bring back Malcolm Brown and then go out and draft Henderson with the high draft capital they invested in him, it's telling us that, that Gurley's not right. So it's unfortunate for fantasy owners and hopefully people were able to move him in dynasty leagues because at this point, I'm not sure of the value that you're getting for him. Derrick Henry's a guy who I'm not that high on this season, and that was before he got this calf injury. He did return to practice last week, but this injury is really just, for me, another reason to pass on him in drafts. For the owners who are targeting Henry, though, is he out of the woods now that he's back at practice, or is this an injury that could linger? So this is definitely an injury that can linger and can return. Uh, soft injury, tissue injuries are notorious for returning your hamstrings, your groins, your calves. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the nature of them. Um, he is better than he was last week because he's back in the field, uh, but they have to be smart with him. So the question I have with Hen- Henry, before, and, and I got excited about him before his calf injury, and then things started kind of shaking out, and I'm just nowhere near as high on him, is that, first of all, he doesn't catch any passes. So if you're in a P- any type of PPR league, he, that plummets his value already. And then the question is, which Henry do you get? Do you get the mediocre RB40 that you saw in the first half of 2018, or do you get the RB5 or whatever he was at the end of the 2018 season when he was just like a beast mode? He just was unbelievable. The problem is his head coach that he was there is now with the Packers, so there's probably going to be a little bit of changes. Dion Lewis is still there taking all the receptions. Um, Now he has a calf injury. We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be for week one. There's just too many questions for me. I will let, happily let somebody else worry about Derrick Henry. He still has top 20 upside, but he really needs to be just legit bananas the entire year to do so. He finished uh, 16th last year. Give me someone like Chris Carson, who has a lot higher upside because he's catching passes in a top three or four rushing team. Another guy who recently came back to practice uh, just this morning, actually, after missing a couple weeks is Kenyon Drake. He was out with a foot injury. He has some appeal as a PPR weapon, though that's a backfield that a lot of people, I think, are going to shy away from. As a PPR weapon, though, he has a chance just because they're going to be in comeback mode so often. The Mm -hmm. Dolphins are projected to lose a lot of games this season. But foot injuries can be something that's pretty problematic. Where does that put Drake heading into week one for you? Um, so here's, here's my concern with, with Drake and Balazs. Uh, they're going to be down, like you mentioned. Um, I'm not a big fan of their line. Um, we saw, we know that Drake is, ta- well, you should know that Drake is the more talented of the two backs. Okay. Uh, Drake can create, um, his own lanes. He's very good when he's on the open field. Balazs cannot create his own lanes, And unless he has a wide open lane, he's going to get tackled unfortunately really quickly this foot injury is a little is mildly concerning but it just they haven't really given us anything about it at all period zero all we know is that he was in a boot and it sounds like it was a foot injury 
Could this be a midfoot sprain like Cam's dealing with? Could this be even more than that? Could he have a stress fracture? There's so many things that this could be. I am just kind of avoiding the entire Dolphins backfield because you have to spend up on him so much. He's probably going to be uh, using, I mean, they're going to be splitting them. So that means if he's lucky, he gets 15, 20 touches a game, and then maybe they'll play with the hot hand. We have a new coaching scheme indirectly from the Patriots, which is uh, exciting. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, uh, who's going to be at quarterback? Is it going to be Fitzmagic? Is it going to be Rosen? That plays a role in how they're going to play them. Are they going to stack the box? So, I mean, there's just so many questions. I mean, I think they finish in the 35 to 40 range, which is not exciting for me. Give me a guy like Devin Singletary who could take over the Bills' backfield who likes to run. Give me a guy like Damian Harris and the Patriots who you know they're going to they have the top offensive line in the league, uh, arguably, and they, you know they're going to run and score points. You know, give me a guy like uh, Tevin Coleman or Matt Breida who loves to run. Uh, you saw how dynamic they've been, uh, and they're probably going to score points and they have a, a better outlook. So I, I will happily fade both Dolphins running backs as a result uh, of, of all this stuff. I want to ask about a couple other running backs here. I'm going to group them all together. Leonard Fournette, Devonta Freeman, Sony Michelle, Darius Geis. So Fournette's had the, the chronic lower leg ankle issues going all the way back to college. Freeman the last two years finished both years on IR. Michelle's had this long injury history, missed a bunch of time during his rookie season and even some of the offseason program. And then Geis just seems to be snake bitten ever since he had that torn ACL had to have the, the three surgeries to help clean up an infection in there, dealt with a hamstring issue coming back this summer. So you don't have to go through each player here, but is there anyone on that list that you're concerned about moving forward based on their injury history? Three of the four I want nothing to do with. Yikes, okay. Sonny Michelle doesn't worry me in the short term, in the long term, yes. Sonny Michelle has looked fantastic. He's the lead back in New England. There's really not much of a question. If you read any of the beat writers from New England, uh, they will tell you that uh, he's catching passes now. I expect him to score at least eight touchdowns this year, 1,200 yards, maybe realistic. Um, the Patriots are going to put up points, and he is going to be their lead back. Uh, if knees flares up, uh, then, you know, it, it might take a couple weeks off like happened last year. But they're going to ride him hard. They have Damian Harris to kind of split him a little bit. James White is predominantly a receiver. Rex Burkhead is, is kind of just a rotational guy at this point. Uh, Fournette, I really like his talent. There's really no question about his talent. But he's just a little bit of a bonehead for me. He doesn't approach it the right way. He he comes back from injury too quickly, which causes worsening of injury like last year. Uh, that should have been a four-week injury and ended up being like an eight- or ten-week injury. So you basically got you know nothing out of him last year, or you were already out of the playoffs if you did. If you could promise me that, that Fournette was going to play all 16 games, he would be a top five running back, period. There's really not much of a question. There's not much of a challenge behind him. Uh, uh, they, they have a respectable quarterback right now, or at least in my opinion they do in Foles. Uh, we know he's ridiculously talented, but he's injury prone. Um, it's just crazy. Like, that's the problem. It's like he's just a headache. The, um, Devonta Freeman, so he's probably the only guy I'm not drafting this year regardless of his price. I have him, and these people are going to call me crazy, is 43 right now. Okay? Wow. Yeah. So I had to put him on the list, and that's pretty much as late as I could put him on it. <laughs> um, what did he get you last year besides about 20 carries and a couple receptions? Nothing. He had 
knee injuries. He, he continues to have the knee injury, even though it's not 100%. He had, uh, you know, he's had lower extremity injuries. He's had um, groin injuries. He just, uh, the offensive coordinator wants to pass the ball. I think Hill and Ito end up getting more touches than him. Like, I just want nothing to do with Devonta Freeman this year. I think he's past his prime. He's already got paid. Uh, if he misses six to eight games this year, I would not be surprised. Someone in the second round, or really early third, if you get lucky, that's where you're going to have to draft him. I'm good. I will happily take someone with higher upside and less injury risk, um, and, and, and that does not include uh, Devonta Freeman. And finally, Darius Geis. This poor kid. If you watch a video that I retweeted last night or this morning, this kid is just a real dude. Like He's, he's talking about the Andrew Luck injury, and he's saying, like, we get injuries. This is what football is. Like, and if you think it doesn't affect us, you're like you're naive. Like, don't be that way. Basically, this kid had a ACL tear, which is a, a detrimental injury for the majority of players. Unfortunately, not everybody is like Adrian Peterson and this genetic freak that comes back in six months and sets records. Darius guys happened to get uh, th- at least uh, three, if not four, surgeries on the same knee. That means that that graft either was infected or his body was infected so you couldn't put in the graft, or the, the graft doesn't have a strong integrity. So that is just concerning for me. He is a high red flag. Uh, the first year after an ACL tear, these running backs just traditionally are not mentally there yet, or physically for that matter. Second year is much better, which is why I'm so high on Dalvin Cook this year. I, I, as much as I like Geis, I just I can't trust him this year. I really don't want anything to do with the Redskins because – they don't really have anything going on for them. Their quarterback situation is a mess. Their backfield is a mess. Um, you know, their wide receivers are mediocre at best. Their tight ends got concussions. So it's like, I, I don't want anything to do with the Redskins. I will happily let someone else get excited and, and, and be disappointed when injuries happen. Great breakdown of the, the running backs there as well. It's a lot of good nuggets that fantasy owners can pull from there. The receivers, some of these might be a little quicker because some of these, I feel like some of the injuries maybe aren't as serious here, but we'll see what the doctor has to say. Odell Beckham, talk of the offseason, gets traded to the Browns, obviously. Quietly dealing with this hip injury, though, he says he's not concerned about it. Should fantasy owners be? No. He's my number three uh, uh, wide receiver, period. And same, same for me as well. I think he's got a good shot now playing with Baker to, to oh, be yeah. the wide receiver one overall. Yeah. And let's see what he can do with an actual quarterback who has an arm and not a noodle. Poor Eli. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you another group of receivers here because they're all kind of going off the board in the same range, sort of late second into the early fourth. Um, and it's with the injuries that a couple of these guys have, it's kind of tough right now to decipher where fantasy owners should be grabbing them. So it's a fairly big group. There's four guys here. Mike Evans, so he returned to practice today. It seems like a lot of guys returned to practice today. Keenan Allen has ankle and knee problems. Amari Cooper has something going on with that foot. It seems like anytime anyone from the Cowboys talks about it, they're calling it a different thing. So mm-hmm. we'll see what you have on that. And then Julian Edelman, who broke his thumb, seems like he should be available early in the season here, maybe for week one. So Another one where I'm going to toss it up to you. If you don't want to talk about every guy, you don't have to. But are any of these worrisome for their early season statuses? So there's a couple guys that I think that you addressed that I'm I'm mildly concerned about. Uh, let's start with uh, with Evans. So Evans' injury is is a little interesting because it could be a quad or it could be a groin. 
why is that a, a distinction? Well, a quad injury is not overly concerning unless it's a, a, a significant uh, strain because they have a tendency to bleed like crazy. Uh, if it's a groin, which is basically on the inside of the thigh, so that's why it can be easily confused, these linger and these do not heal well at all. Um, I'm hoping it is more of a quad than a groin, but uh, I am not overly concerned about uh, Evans this year. I really like the offensive weapons that Tampa has between him and Godwin and, 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 and Howard, and I think they could be a, a nice stack or triple threat this year. So um, I, I'm just not overly concerned about this right now. He's a big, athletic, physically demanding guy, um, and I have taken him several times over the past week in best ball drafts. They're just really not concerning for me, and I'd, I'd take him in, in several of my season longs if it, if it comes up at, at the early second round. He's kind of like the last true wide receiver one, in my opinion. Moving on to Keenan Allen, the problem is we don't know what's going on with him. I have not heard a single thing. I heard it's an ankle. Uh, I haven't heard anything about a knee, but all I know is that he didn't play. He spoke the other night. Um, uh, sidelines, but that was really about it. Uh, like, we don't know what's going on with him at all. I expect him to be pretty healthy and fine. I mean, he has top 15, maybe top 10 wide receiver potential. Hunter Henry's going to help a lot. Mike Williams is still there. Not overly concerned about Allen, but at the same time, I don't really have much to go on. Uh, Amari Cooper, on the other hand, I am concerned about. Um, if you look at his stats from last year, he's kind of like a roller coaster. He's not all, all peaks. He's more peaks and valleys, which is good for best ball, but not ideal for long, you know, for season long when you're like, well, is he going to be good this week or is he going to be bad this week? If they don't get Zeke back, which I think they will, um, then they'll probably have to throw more. I do like Gallup this year. But the problem with Amari is that he reportedly has, they've called it a couple things, which is, makes me think of the Andrew Luck situation. Um, is it plantar fasciitis, which is inflammation of the plantar fascia on the bottom of the foot, which hurts unbelievably awful and it's it, think of getting up in the morning and standing on uh, sharp needles or glass or uh, nails or something like that like that's people would describe it as um, and anybody who's listening to this if you've had plantar fasciitis you'll know exactly what I'm talking about um, these flare up and if, if it's just irritated this is not a place you want to put a, a steroid injection so they can be they can drive people crazy I've heard, you know, impingement of the posterior heel. I've heard some intrinsic muscle strain, which isn't even a real thing. Um, so, like, I don't know what to make of this. Between that, where he's going with the Zeke situation, I'd rather have someone like an Evans or an, uh, even a Keenan Allen over Cooper. I just don't trust him. Moving on to Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman, it was a weird week. Between him, Sterling Shepard, and RG3 all fractured their thumb in, like, two days. It was weird, but... Um, this is a non-dislocated uh, thumb fracture, not overly concerning. If, it, if he needed surgery, I would have been much more concerned. He should be back uh, ready to rock and roll. I do not worry about him. Brady doesn't have the rifle that he used to have, so uh, he should be okay. It's still warm enough up there for the next six weeks or so uh, that, that this should heal fine. He may play with a brace, not overly concerning. Same with Sterling Shepard, basically the same injury. I'm definitely curious how concerned you are about A.J. Green, though. And I've said this on the pod already. I'm very hesitant to draft Green this year. I don't like the the recent injuries that he's had. Really seems like because of those, he's trending in the wrong direction at this point in his career. And I also don't like the way the team has talked about it. I know head coach Zach Taylor at one point said they're hoping to get him back at some point in the first half of the season. 
doesn't exactly inspire confidence, right? So am I wrong there? Should fantasy owners be taking a shot on Green, getting that injury discount now? Or is he a player that we should be staying away from? Before the season, Green had probably the highest upside for where he was going based on his his reliability. Him and Julio both went in the first round uh, of, the, uh, of the draft uh, many moons ago, and both have been really good their entire career. Um, remember, last year, A.J. Green was a top 10, 15 wide receiver when he was on the field. The problem is he ended up getting that foot injury, and then that foot injury came back. He, he, he re-injured it, and then he ended up needing surgery. This was the other foot. Okay, so now he's got two foot injuries. Basically, one he's recovering from, and the other one he just did. We don't know the specific details, but it sounds like he suffered a pretty significant ankle sprain in that ligament that's attached to the bone, pulled off a piece of the bone. So that usually requires surgery, which he ended up having, to either remove that fleck of bone or to stabilize uh, that so that it doesn't float around and, and catch into the joint. So with that being said, with how high he's going, I, kiss, I it's too risky for me. If he was going like much later then I would love it and I would definitely draft him. I still think he has top 25 receiver upside. I have him at 26 actually. But the problem is if he misses four to six games, is he still a top 25 receiver? Probably not. I mean, he's still in a boot. He's still, someone tweeted me this morning, still in a boot, still uh, on a scooter, uh, rolling around the scooter. So we're, we're 10 days out from week one. That probably means he's not back till week three, week four that's already concerning enough for me. The O-line is, is really banged up. They've replaced first, you know, first year, um, first year round picks with, with mediocre guys. Uh, I really like Mixon. I really like Boyd, but they really need AJ Green to help them. And, and they don't have it uh, that all of those are red flags for me. So I'm just, I'm off green this year, even though I really like his talent. I just don't trust his health. I'm going to toss one more group of receivers at you just to round it out. They're all guys that could have a lot of value this year. There's huge upside with all of them, but they're all coming back from some form of injury. And really, a couple of them are pretty shocking with, with how well they're looking right now. Uh, for Julio, it's been a foot ailment. He's back running at practice. Contract issues also out there, so maybe that's you know slowing him down a little bit. Maybe he's taking his time getting back because of it. Uh, Cooper Cup working his way back from a torn ACL and just seems to be doing outstanding. His recovery seems to be going very well. Uh, Will Fuller also returning from a torn ACL. And then Emmanuel Sanders, who is shocking everybody, 32 years old, coming back from a torn Achilles. I just keep moving him up my rankings. I did not expect him to look as good as he has. I didn't even expect him to play really at the beginning of the season. And now he's out there in preseason games, making catches, looking outstanding. Wide range of guys, obviously, but sort of the same as we did with running backs. Anyone in that group that you're shying away from because of those injuries? First off, let's talk about Quintoris. And your listeners are probably like, who? That's Julio's first name in real life. <laughs> um, this kid, uh, so for anybody listening, I wrote 50 typed out pages of, uh, I don't know if it's 48 or 50 profiles, they're somewhere around there, of all of these main guys that we're talking about. I wrote about them starting in, I don't know, May or something. And all of them have very extensive histories. You can buy it on the fantasydoctors.com or our Patreon page if you want to check it out. Just uh, go to my uh, Twitter and you'll find it. Um, very detailed injury analysis. It goes back to their high school, goes back to their injuries in college. It goes, it, it goes, covers everything. 
So what do we know about Julio's foot? We really haven't heard much about it, which is good news. Julio has been a stud ever since high school. I mean, this kid was a three-sport athlete, basketball and track, and then you'll hear that track is very common in a lot of these pros, a lot of these studs, Todd Gurley. Um, a, a lot of these kids were all track stars as well. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I believe, was as well. So here's the issue. Uh, Julio basically has played in 87% of his games in the NFL. That's pretty good. Seeing how he's played in, uh, he's been in there for eight seasons. That's a long time. So that's 111 out of 128 games. That's pretty reliable. All right. He is the definition of underrated. Every year he gets slept on and continues to put up monster numbers. The issue is he's had uh, right foot and hamstring injuries off and on for the past basically decade. This is probably due to a combination of poor mechanics, initial injury, and just doesn't heal well, and uh, overuse. When you have someone who's a high-level runner, uh, track star, as well as a high-level uh, football player, you know, uh, they're going to be running a lot of routes. There's a lot of extra wear and tear on that bone. Um, you know, then uh, the hamstrings are always concerning, but we haven't heard anything. As far as I'm concerned, Julio Jones is a top five pick, and I'm not worried about him at all. He's being smart with his body. He knows how to treat his body because he's been dealing with it for so long. If you have a chance to draft him, he should be at least in the discussion for top four uh, wide receivers, especially given that Matty Ice, who finished number two in, in PPR uh, quarterbacks last year, um, has basically not, like the strong majority of his games are in a dome or at home. It's like that's perfect element environment. You're only you're taking out the weather. So that's what I like to see. Give me him happily. Uh, moving on to Cooper Cup. I've had a lot of questions about Cooper Cup. Uh, basically, um, here's my thoughts on wide receivers coming back from ACL. These guys uh, mentally do not have the wherewithal in the first year. Uh, there's been uh, kind of a, a quote put out there over the past couple of years from ACL reconstruction um, people that have had it done, and they say that the reconstruction is anywhere is predominantly 30% physical and 70% mental. So with that being said, these guys have to be able to trust that when they run 15, 20 miles an hour and then cut on a dime and, 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 and while they're about to get hit by a receiver, you know, a, a DB or whoever, that that ACL is going to hold up because that's the only thing that is stopping them from collapsing again. And most guys just are not, are not mentally there yet. I like to compare Cooper Cup's season in 2019 uh, to uh, Julian Edelman's in 2018. Uh, very similar uh, type player, very similar type body, uh, very similar injury. Uh, obviously, uh, Edelman is a little older in a different offense, but same difference. Uh, I don't mind him. He's going a little too high for me. I would happily rather have someone like Cooks, who is underrated and always gets a 1,000 yards receiving regardless of where he plays, or Woods, who is probably the most underrated receiver in the league um, and continues to excel uh, regardless of having two other solid wide receivers on his team. Moving on to Emmanuel Sanders. If there's one guy that I've been astonished with so far in terms of his rehab, it's Emmanuel Sanders. This injury, which is an Achilles tear, which is usually a death sentence for any wide receiver or running back, think of Dante Foreman, is not a just, – they don't heal well. They, they lose their burst. 30% of the NFL players who have ever had this injury never return to the field. Age is definitely a big factor there. 
um, and you see someone who's 31, 32 coming back, as strong as he is, I am impressed. I don't know if he's just athletically gifted, if uh, the new PARS procedure, which which is what they're doing, um, is playing a role in, in how well these guys are coming back. Whatever it is, he looks good. I would roll the dice, but it's going to be pretty late because I just don't want really anything to do with this Denver passing offense. They really want to run the ball, and I don't want anything to do with uh, noodle-armed Joe Flacco. Uh, finally, finishing up with Will Fuller, kind of the same boat as um, Cooper Cup, both coming off ACL injuries, uh, both similar wide receivers, but uh, Will Fuller has uh, even more boomer bust potential, in my opinion. When he's on the field, man, is he a monster, but he just can't stay healthy. I will happily take him 8th, ninth, 10th round, but I will not reach for him. He is going to be your other exposure to uh, D-Hop, uh, to uh, Watson, and to that potentially potent um, Texans offense. Uh, I just will not reach for him because there is an underlying injury concern. I'm much happier with his potential in 2020 than 2019. Solid breakdowns. I love these podcasts because very rarely in the podcast do I just get to sit back and let the guest run. That might have been the longest stretch we've ever had where I didn't actually talk on the podcast. And it was just great information. That's the kind of stuff you guys will be getting from the Fantasy Doctors. So make sure you're checking them out. we got one more position to go through. It's tight end. There's not that much to talk about here. But the first one is definitely Jordan Reed. And by all reports, he was having a great camp. Then he gets popped in the preseason. He's back in concussion protocol. I don't have the numbers on me. Maybe you do. But... He's had concussions several years of his career now, far more than anybody should. Not that we want to push players towards retirement, but at this point, can we even draft Reed? I mean, retirement should be part of the conversation with his doctors, shouldn't it? It should be, but but you can't. You can only do so much. So, as far as we know, and and, and a lot of these guys early on in their careers um, probably didn't say much about concussions, so they may have got a couple that didn't go documented. So not only has Jordan Reed had one concussion, he's had two, three, four, five. This is his seventh concussion. That's ridiculous. So a standard protocol is seven to 10 days. That is for probably your first concussion. With each one, and this is a sports concussion, with each one, uh, guys have a tendency to last longer. They're, they're, if anyone's ever had a migraine, that's basically what these guys are dealing with. You're dealing with dizziness, really bad pounding headache, really bad irritability, your sleep schedule's all screwed up, um, you can't uh, focus, um, you have uh, t- uh, issues with light and sound, um, you, uh, some people can't even uh, jog for uh, three, four, five days because it makes their, their symptoms worse. So with that being said, as much as I like Jordan Reed, uh, this guy is made of glass. Like we would joke last year, not, you know, uh, pun intended, that was there any week that Jordan Reed wasn't going to be discussed on the, on our, on our podcast? Because this guy's always injured with one thing or another, unfortunately. My suspicion is he'll want to come back and he'll, he'll play. It may be worth your while to consider Vernon Davis right now. It's just a sneaky, deep kind of threat until, uh, you know, until Reed is able to go. But he is one concussion away from probably ending his career uh, from a safety perspective. I was drafting him and Chris Herndon as sort of a, a nice little tandem, figuring that Reed would be able to play early in the season. Then you grab Herndon, who could go the rest of the way for you if Reed gets injured at some point. Now I just I don't think you can grab him anywhere, and it's it's just too bad because when he's on the field, one of the best tight ends in the league. 
couple other guys we should talk about here. Uh, both are healthy at the moment once again, but they both dealt with injuries recently. Delaney Walker had that gruesome ankle, broken ankle at the start of last season. And then Greg Olson has had the foot issues each of the last two years. So a couple veteran tight ends, both have decent successors behind them. Any concerns about their health heading into the season? Let's first talk about Hubert Delaney Walker. <laughs> 35, not exactly a spring chicken anymore. You remember when he was on the Niners way back when? Way back when, yeah. And he was kind of like an afterthought. And then he, he went to like Tennessee and he was like, oh, this guy's actually pretty good. The rare like late career breakout tight end. Yeah, yeah he went seven years without being relevant. That's pretty crazy. I think his peak was 29 passes for 331 yards when he was with the 49ers. Um, he's been really good ever since. He's never been like a top three tight end, uh, well, at least expected to be. But he's always been kind of in that discussion of, you know, just reliable. He's had some crazy injuries. He fractured his jaw. He did a couple things. But he really never missed much time. He suffered this crazy freak injury last year, and, and that was just unfortunate. Uh, with that being said, I'm not really concerned about his ankle. Uh, Celine uh, Parekh is, is, is kind of the head guy at the fantasy doctors, and he's a foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon at Duke, um, and, and, and he performs probably these a lot. I, he's not really concerned about him. Um, this, this is a guy who um, has the potential to get 100-plus targets, 800-plus uh, uh, yards receiving, which he had done in four seasons straight prior before last year. I'm obviously pretty cold on the Titans backfield like we talked about or offense like we talked about earlier, uh, given their kind of chaos between Mariota and Tannehill. Uh, what's going on with uh, the rest of their team? Is Corey Davis going to be legit? Um, you could do worse uh, for Delaney Walker, but um, give me – I don't mind him. I'd take him over Jordan Reed. I'd take him over Greg Olson, which I'll talk about in a sec, uh, but I'm not overly high on him. I like Herndon much higher I have uh, basically uh, the, 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 the kind of middle tier is the one I've been targeting. That's your Hunter Henrys, your O.J. Howards, um, your, your Evan Ingrams. Even, you know, I'll, I'll fall into uh, the, the, the Cooks and the McDonalds of, of the world. Uh, Ebron is falling a little bit because of Brissett, but I don't mind him. Uh, I probably am not drafting Delaney Walker as my tight end one, maybe my tight end two. Let's talk about Greg Olson. So Greg Olson... I mean, he had three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. He had a freak foot injury that put him on the shelf, and then he re-injured it. So he has dealt with uh, the notorious Jones fracture, which is a fracture at the kind of base or, or, or closer to the heel part of the fifth uh, toe, so basically uh, back part, uh, outside part of the foot. And this is a notorious what we call watershed area, so it does not have a good blood supply, and if you – uh, roll your foot and, and, and the bone gets stuck up underneath, this has a tendency to fracture. The problem is it does not heal well because of that poor blood supply and you, you need to put a screw in it. Uh, a bunch of guys have had this, Sammy Watkins, Julio Jones, uh, so many. Unfortunately, uh, Greg Jones ended up, uh, oh, sorry, Greg Olson ended up um, suffering uh, a second Jones fracture and ended up having to have another issue about it. So, He's on the, the latter half of his career. I would be really astonished, astonished if he played more than 12 games this year. He's going to deal with this again. But you could do worse. He, when he's on the field, he's productive. The question is when he's on the field. 
And that's a reason to maybe keep an eye. You don't have to draft Ian Thomas, but keep him on your watch list this year. That is all for today's show, folks. If you're not already, you should be following Dr. Morse on Twitter, at Dr. Jesse Morse. Really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Happy I could uh, contribute. If anybody has any questions uh, or if you want to join one of my leagues, just reach out to me. There's some spots left. Like I said off the top, go check out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit to see today's updates. Make sure you're subscribed to alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app and to the podcast wherever you're listening to us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Dr. Morse. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.